Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually, these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hello there, friends. Welcome to episode 27 of the podcast. This episode is releasing on August the 3rd, 2021, which is my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, dad. It's also the six month anniversary of the launch of this show. I cannot believe that we've been sitting down to chat like this every week for six whole months. Can you believe it? I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying it. So let's keep this going for another six months at least. What do you say? If you want to be a part of making sure this podcast continues, we'd love to have your support. You can become a monthly supporter on Anchor. You can contribute a one-time gift on buymeacoffee.com, or you can continue sharing the show with your friends, chatting about it on social media. And if you haven't yet, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be a fantastic sixth month anniversary gift. (laughs) Today on the show, I'm chatting with a good friend, Susan Stone. Susan is a fellow introvert, a teacher, and a recent graduate of Urshan Graduate School of Theology. I invited her on the podcast to talk about her thesis, which she researched and wrote on the subject of lament. Now, you might be wondering, what is lament and why would this be an important topic for the church? Well, I'll let Susan answer those questions, but I can tell you, I believe this is an important conversation for us to be having, and I think you'll agree. So let's get right to my conversation with Susan Stone. I'm excited today to welcome my friend Susan Stone to the podcast. Susan, welcome to Good Question. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. You and I have known each other, I was thinking about it this morning, for about five years now, which is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't seem like it's been that long, but it has. And you're someone that I have enjoyed over the course of that time, having these kinds of deep discussions that we like to have on this show. When I talk in the intro about liking to have these kind of conversations over dinner, over coffee with a friend, you and I have had some of these conversations quick in passing on a church pew before or after service, or we co-hosted some hyphen events together and got to have some good chats then. I am excited to have you on the podcast today to talk about your thesis that you recently wrote for your master's degree. And so we'll get into that in a moment. But before we start on that, I want you to just introduce yourself and kind of give us an idea of who you are. Okay. Well, like you said, my name's Susan Stone. I am currently a teacher at Calvary Education Center. I helped start the school when our pastor presented the vision for it and have been here since the school began. Graduate of Duke University and then just recently this year completed my master's through Urshan Graduate School of Theology. My husband is a full-time evangelist and so I travel with him some as well, ministering, preaching. He preaches 
I do more teaching than preaching, but whatever I need to do or am asked to do when we go out. And let's see, I think that's about it. (laughs) Yes. And I am, I am really proud of you. I know you've worked so hard. We've talked throughout the, the last few years about each of the classes that you were taking at Urshan and I've kind of lived vicariously through you through some of those because it's one of my dreams to go back and finish my degree there as well and so it's been really great to talk to you about all the things you've been learning and reading and so whenever I just recently saw you we were back in North Carolina for a wedding and I got to talk to you briefly uh, amid all of the rushing around for that and I said how's school going and you said I'm done and I was like ah that's so exciting (laughs) And then you told me that you had written your thesis on the topic of lament. And I found that immediately so intriguing because it is not something that you hear talked about in the church, at least in apostolic circles. I don't know that I've ever heard a lesson or a sermon that has talked about lament. And so I was excited to read your paper and then also really excited to have you on today to talk about it. So let's just start like super, super basic. For someone who has not gone through graduate school, can you just explain what a thesis is? (laughs) I I was having this conversation with someone just the other day, and I told them, it's just a really long academic paper. (laughs) (laughs) So take your papers you might write for a normal class and then triple that or quadruple it a little bit. But really, it gave me a chance to take a topic and just really dive into that topic. So not quite as extensive as someone working on a dissertation, maybe, but still allowed me to just really dive in deep and spend some time focused on this one particular idea. And you did. I received the copy that you sent me in my email, and it was 70 pages long, which that is so (laughs) much work. That is so much writing. And I know it's so much revising and editing (laughs) and rewriting. And so, yeah, that's, it's time consuming, but also, and I mentioned this to you before we started recording, it's not difficult to read. It was very interesting to read. And so as I was looking it over and jotting down some notes, I was getting more and more excited to talk to you about it. Like I said, I haven't really heard a lot of people in the apostolic movement talking about lament. And so I don't know, even before I read your paper, that I had an understanding of what it even means. So why did you choose lament and kind of what is it? So last year, of course, you know, we hit the quarantine lockdown and I was finishing up, knew that I was getting ready to start writing my thesis. And I really was struggling with picking out a topic. I I mean, I could be a permanent student. I love to (laughs) study a little bit of everything. But I was really struggling. And so I sat down via Zoom with one of the professors just to to talk. What does the process look like to write the thesis and try to get some ideas for some topics? And toward the end of our conversation, he just asked me the question. He said, if you were asked to go somewhere and speak, what topic would you speak on? What are you studying right now? And it really made me stop and think because recent or really over the few years leading up to that, I really had been looking at the topic of brokenness. Mm. And it was something I couldn't get away from. I had spoken on it at a couple of uh, different things I had gone to. And I mentioned that to him. And then we just kind of ran with it and were 
kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. And the more we talked, the more intrigued I came with this, came with the idea. And as I started researching, as, you know, as I kind of lay out my paper, you see it very commonly in the Old Testament, but is it in the New Testament? And it should it be a part of the church today? Hmm. And that's really kind of where I, I took my focus is, is this a part of the New Testament church? And should it be a part of our church today? Um, and that's kind of what I went with. Really to, and I think I mentioned this to you, it's really, I wanted to start a conversation. I don't proclaim to be an expert on it. There are those out there who have done much more extensive research than I have in this topic, but I wanted to put something out there and say, hey, let's have a conversation about this. Mm-hmm. I love that idea, first of all, because that's what we're all about, is about starting conversations and getting people thinking. And it really did, reading through the the thoughts you had compiled and the definitions and explanations that you had compiled from different writers, it really did make me start to think. And it and what it did for me was it helped me to see how there how that we can start to answer some of the questions that people commonly bring up in difficult times. Right? Like if there is a loving God, why school shootings? Why yes. four million people globally that we've lost to a global pandemic. Why, you know what I'm saying? People people bring these questions up often. And as Christians, often we feel stuck in how to answer those questions because we're asking them too. <laughs> and we're not always able to find an answer. And we feel like admitting that we're also asking those questions somehow is not demonstrating faith in God. I think one of the things I took from this um, as I was studying it, and it's it really is a lot of what you're doing with this podcast, is it's saying it's okay to have questions. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say, why? You know, God, why? That's not saying that I don't trust him or that I don't believe in him, but it's just that humanity in me that's crying out saying, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I can't just put a pat answer on it and say, well, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I loved one of the things that you had mentioned. It was a quote that you had referenced from someone named T.C. Ham. Mm -hmm. And you said that Christianity without lament is dishonest, that it ignores and hides the reality of suffering in the world. And I thought that was so interesting because I think that that's where a lot of people who walk away from God or who distrust people of faith is that they feel like there's not an honest admission of the, of the things that are going on in the world that are sad or tragic or unfair or broken. And so I think that it's, it's an important conversation for us to have if we're going to relate to people who live in a broken world. And that's really a lot of where I came to, you know, a lot of people said, why are you writing about this? You know, there's so many other things in the Bible you could write about. But the more I got into it, the more I was like, this is important because we do live in a broken world. And we've been around Christianity long enough to see that there are people who turn their backs on it and walk away. Or there are people who just get hurt and bitter. And there can be so many reasons why for that. But I think sometimes it is because it's a shallow relationship. Mm lament at its core is all about a relationship with God because you trust God enough to show him those real feelings and emotions. 
Mm. And that's one thing really is people, we really don't show our true feelings and emotions to someone unless we really trust them mm-hmm. because we tend to put up a face for everyone else. But the people that we're most comfortable with, those that we trust the most are the ones that we're most o- open to. Right. And I think the same is true with God. When we really have trust, when we have a covenant relationship with him, there's some trust there that can withstand those questions of why God and I don't understand and why did this relationship fall apart or why did this happen? Why did, you know, whatever it could be that we ask um, when we are feeling broken or hurt or there's just injustice in the world. And it's getting down to that real and honest because when people from the outside walk in, if all they see is a perfect church and perfect people, they're going to feel like, I can't fit in with this. Mm-hmm. They're not going to understand my brokenness and my pain. But if they can see that these are people who have been broken too, and they've learned how to move through that and to live through that and to find the peace and the hope in God, then a broken world can find that same peace and that same hope. Yeah, I think it's really key. I agree with you that it's a very important thing for us to talk about and to demonstrate, to model, and to model in a correct way. So you talked about, and you just mentioned it was one of the notes that I had written down, that in the Old Testament, the lament came from a place of that covenant relationship, that trust and that knowledge, that deep like knowing that God is faithful and that deep desire for his presence, even when we're not sure what's going on and we don't understand why he's not answering us the way that we would like. Like you said, that's not a shallow uh, relationship. That's such a, that that's to me speaks to such a deep relationship with God that we can be confused and still long for his presence. It really is. And when you read in the Old Testament, And I didn't spend a lot of my time researching that, but you can't talk about lament and not go back to the Old Testament, um, especially the Psalms. Mm -hmm. But you see the relationship there, um, you know, getting in the technical and the academic. There's very much a pattern that's followed of a person that's crying out because of injustice and they're crying out to the one that they know can hear and can respond. Mm -hmm. And it follows that pattern of crying out, of saying, I'm hurt, or why is this evil happening? Why are my enemies rising up against me? But God, I know that you hear and that you will answer. And it gives way to a place of praise in there because it is that knowledge that in this relationship, I trust you to hear my cry. I trust you to hear my grief. And I trust that you are going to respond. And so I can praise you, even if I haven't had the response yet. Because I know that you are God. It, that's so interesting to me because, you know, we hear sermons and we sing songs about being able to praise God for the victory or praise him for uh, the answer before it comes. But we skip over the step of the pain of it not being there yet. So yes. we, we jump right to the praise part, <laughs> but we don't ever stop. It's like we can't handle or we don't think God can handle the pain portion of that, where we admit openly that we are in pain and that we are broken and that we are disappointed. I think that really is so true. We we struggle sometimes because so much of an apostolic worship service is geared toward 
the praise, the victory. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, what happens for that person who's in the middle of the biggest trial they've ever had in their life and they haven't had time to process it yet. Mm -hmm. I've explained it to someone at one point. I said, it's almost like we tend to get stuck in one of two areas. We're either stuck in the, the grief, the woe is me, life is horrible, and we never move past that. Or we're stuck in this, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And we never take the bridge, which is what lament should be. Lament should be that bridge from, I'm in a crisis, I don't even know which way to turn, to the, everything's going to be okay because God is in control. But there has to be that middle ground at some point where we do take that time to grieve. Um, I'm not a counselor. I don't claim to be one. And but we've heard, you know, the steps of grief. Mm-hmm. And I know you did a podcast with someone a, a while back dealing with grief. And all of those steps are so necessary. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's even just a church thing. Um, I think it's a, a society, a Western culture. Mm-hmm. Our culture really doesn't know how to deal with grief. I think we're starting to see more and more that people are saying we we need to figure this out. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about the typical process in America, when a loved one passes away, you know, one or two days later, you have the funeral. And then the next day, everybody's expected to go back to work and mm-hmm. go about normal life. Yeah. When in reality, for some people, normal life just ended. Right. And they need a chance to process that and to to get through that and say, OK, things look different now. There is hope, but I need a chance to get to that. Yeah, I'm thinking through and and I'm thinking about times in my own life and my own family and stories that are probably someone else's to share, but of people who I feel have gotten stuck in that place for a time because there wasn't a place for them to express it, Mm -hmm. but they couldn't get past it. And so they just lived in kind of a limbo for a while of being angry at God or even just kind of numb because the feelings were too extreme and they didn't know how to deal with them. And that's a scary place to be because you don't know if you're ever going to come out of it. I know I remember several years back, I went through a rough time, um, a lot of different things that were going on. And I'm very much a introvert personality. I, I struggle to open up with people. And so, you know, pretty much if I don't know you very well, you're going to get the face, the facade that I put mm-hmm. on for everyone. So to be honest, most people around me didn't realize because they saw the Susan that is out there for everyone to see, which is not the way it should be. And the Lord and our the Lord is working with me on that. <laughs> but I remember there were there are some people in my life that, that I'm very close to that could know. And I remember someone sitting me down and having a conversation because they could tell something just was something was off. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that there was any big sin. It wasn't anything, but there were just some things in life that just weren't right. And I remember leaving that conversation, and that was a hard conversation for me. It hurt, but I needed it. And thank, I thank God for those people in my life that can do that. But I remember leaving that conversation and going to a quiet place just me and God. And the first words, the only words that I could get out were, God, I'm broken. Mm. But when I said that, it was almost like that was the beginning of being able to come out of it mm. because I could verbally acknowledge that 
everything's not right and something has to change. And it didn't happen overnight, but it was that first step Mm. of saying, this isn't right. God, I need something different. I need something to change. But it was that first step of being able to verbalize. And I think that's really what this idea of lament is, is let me be able to verbalize that God, something's not right. And then start making the steps, the process that it needs to be so that it can be right, whatever that right may look like. So the whole process of just saying it out loud, I'm thinking back to a time whenever I was a lot younger and looking back on the, on the, (laughs) on myself in that time period, I was probably depressed. I didn't realize it. And I remember a night sitting alone in a a little apartment that I hated (laughs) and a a time of life when I didn't know what I was going to be doing next. And I remember uh, when I say crying out to God, I mean like physically yelling out to God. And I remember, and I've told this story to people before and, and kind of laughed, but it's the absolute truth. I expected at any moment that God was just going to strike me with lightning because in yeah. my mind, you don't talk to God like that. Mm. And whenever I got to the other side of that conversation and realized that I was okay, it really cemented in my mind, like God can handle it. God is not afraid of my anger or my disappointment or my frustration, I can be honest with him and I can tell him exactly what I'm feeling, exactly what I'm thinking. We know that he knows it anyway, but there's something like there's something about admitting it out loud that takes some of that pressure off. And when you get on the other side of that and realize that God can handle it, it gives you that confidence in that relationship to know like, okay, He's got it in control, but I have to let go of what I think I'm controlling, even if it's just my own emotions and holding them in. It very much is. Um, you know, I think we we grow up, especially as children in church, and we grow up and we learn to reverence God and fear God and all the things that we need to learn. But somewhere along the way, I feel like, at least I know for myself, it almost got to this point where it's like sacrilegious to say, God, I'm angry. Mm-hmm. Or, God, why did you do this? But then you really, when you read through the scriptures and you see there's so many places where God is telling people cry out mm-hmm. to call out the emotions. And I remember as I was doing my research, there was one author, and I cannot remember who it is off the top of my head right now, who made the comment that when a crisis situation happens or suffering happens, it causes disorientation. For people, we get disoriented. Life is turned upside down. And it's through that process of lament and that verbalizing these things to God that we really are reorienting ourselves back to God. Mm. So even when I'm saying, God, why did this have to happen to me? Why did you let this happen? Or God, I'm so angry right now. I'm turning myself out of this situation that has just turned me upside down. And it's putting my focus back toward God. Mm. And really, that's what God wants. You know, God did not make us to be these little robots, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. He designed us. He gave us our emotions, our feelings. I don't believe that we just let our emotions run our lives. Right. But they are, but they're a part of who God created when he created us. And it's like you said, God can handle them. And looking at this through a biblical perspective, 
that ability to say, God, I don't understand this. I'm broken. Why is this happening? God, I need you. Like something has to change. Mm-hmm. I'm putting that focus back where it belongs. I'm putting that focus back into God so that I can get to the point to say, my hope is in you. And I know that you are the God that hears and you are the God that responds. Yeah, I'm thinking back through some of those lament psalms, and I don't have like (laughs) photographic memory of all of them, but the ones that I'm remembering now are where David lays out just all of his feelings and all of his emotions. And it'll be 10 or 15 verses of all of this. Why, God, why aren't you doing what you said? God, why are they attacking me? And all of this kind of quote unquote negative commentary from David. And then he ends usually with a verse or two of praise. I'll st- mm-hmm. I'm still going to praise you. You're still good. I know you're in control. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that. I love the honesty that he had with God. And I think it's really important that we get get our mindset to where we can have that same kind of open relationship. Because one of the things you mentioned in the paper was that if we take lament out of the relationship, then it becomes this overly distant type of relationship where we're only focused on praise and adoration, which are great, but there's no intimacy there without the other part, without being able to pour out our hearts. And I think that all of us would say, we really want that intimate relationship with God, but that comes with that freedom of communication and that understanding that life is life. Mm-hmm. And I can't only trust God with the good and say, well, you know, the rest of this is the ugly stuff and God doesn't want anything to do with that. And sometimes people get the feeling, well, I've got to fix all this stuff first before I can let God in. Mm-hmm. When the reality is, as a human, I can't fix any of it. I know there was someone, Gail O'Day, who wrote that, you know, when we're in suffering, we tend to go to one of two things. I can change it, Mm. me by myself, or it can't be changed at all. Mm. And the one is depending on self and not depending on God. And the other is just saying, well, there's nothing that can be done, good or bad. It's just, it is. Yeah. And it denies the ability of God to to work in that situation. And we all realize there are some things that happen that are life. And so sometimes the response from God is not magically fixing a situation. Hmm. Relationships end. People, unfortunately, that suffer trauma that we wish they never had to go through, but sometimes it just happens. And so sometimes the response is not that God magically fixes all of that, but it's the peace and the hope that we get in that relationship mm-hmm. with him. But it doesn't happen by just stuffing all of that down and never dealing with it. Right. I think for for too long, too many people have just stuffed things and shoved them back and said no. And then later, things happen that bring it all back up and they wonder why all of a sudden they're in crisis. And that's why I'm so thankful for a lot of the trends that we're seeing now in the church and out of the church. Um, I'm so thankful for Christian counselors who are saying, hey, let's deal with some of this mm-hmm. from a biblical perspective so that people can be successful in their walk with God. There are those scriptures that say to rejoice, and we do want to be able to rejoice. Um, the scriptures that promise us that he's going to give us life abundantly. 
And we get to that not by ignoring all of the suffering, but learning to trust God in the suffering so that we can have that true peace and the true hope. Rebecca Eklund, who was one of the scholars that I really used a lot of her work, she used the phrase of the now and the not yet. Mm. And I love that concept because it's, I have that hope and that trust that God is here in the now, that he is responding to me, that he's hearing my cries and he's acting now. But it's not even just now. It's my hope of the future that's going to come, of the kingdom of God that's coming. And so I have a hope that God is working in the now and in the not yet. I love that phrase as well, because it is, you know, it's we're always here on earth holding both things. And it's a it's a balance that's not always even. And it's a constant, we have to constantly be readjusting our focus to keep both of those things in mind. Because like you said, we can swing either to despair or into kind of like a a self-help power of positive thinking (laughs) mindset. And neither one of those things actually gets us to victory, to peace, to joy. It it all has to be in this balancing act that we all as humans and as Christians have to carry, which is not the fun answer, but. (laughs) No, it's not. But it's, you know, I I love the fact when I was studying this out and, and taking it back to the Bible, because that's where I wanted it to be based out of, not just my thoughts on what it needed Mm -hmm. to be. But I loved it when it was looking at Romans 8, which is a chapter that we're all so familiar with. And it's talked about how when you look in there, you have um, verse 35 that's, you know, who's going to separate us from the love of God? And then you move down into we are more than conquerors. But right in the middle between those two verses are this, for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what in the world? <laughs> like, where did this this come from? And you're right. It's not the fun answer. It's the balance. But it's like this, we can have this hope of, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God, and we are more than conquerors, but also understand that, you know what, there's some life that's lived in between that. Mm-hmm. But I don't have to get bogged down in that life. I can hold to the hope because I have dealt with the suffering. It's through that suffering that I truly can understand who I am in Christ and that there really is nothing in this world that can separate me from God and from the love of God. I think I said at the beginning, it's not that shallow relationship that's just based off of a feeling or an emotion. And not that those feelings and emotions that they have are not real, but they never have a chance to grow roots and to go deep. And so when they are hit with something, it topples their whole world. So it is that balancing act that you said of finding that we we live in in a broken world. Yeah. And how can we ever know that nothing can separate us until we go through some of those things that that are listed there in in Romans, right? Like until we experience death and life and until we have been through some hard things and, and see for ourselves that the love of God never leaves us. It's just like in any relationship. You don't really know the strength of your marriage until you've gone through some difficult times or of a friendship until, you know... Someone has yes. stood by you through a, through a hard time. And 
again, if we want intimacy with God, we've got to be able to be able to see him there through it all. Those are all some concepts that kind of talk about lament in an, on an individual basis and the way that we can pray honestly and worship God honestly. But you also talk some about the role of lament in the corporate body of the church. And that's something that I really have never thought about that much. But would you mind to talk about that a little bit? Why is it important for us as a corporate church body to focus on and practice model the idea of lament? And I think there are several um, aspects of that. And again, I don't come at this as an expert in it. I come at this more of a, here's some ideas, let's have a conversation. Um, but Paul says in Romans, he tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Mm. And so there's, and we also know there's scriptures that say to bear one another's burdens. And so there are corporate aspects in that there are times I can see when my brothers and sisters are hurting and I need to join with them as the church. And we do that a lot of times in, you know, corporate prayer requests or when we join together with, with different things like that in the church body. But I think there's also the aspect, and this is the one that's been the most intriguing to me, is that really when it comes to aspects of injustice, mm. that's where as a corporate body, as a church, we're made up of many different people. And we may stand on different sides of the spectrum when it comes to politics or social issues or things like that. But there are certain things that when it comes to the word of God are just right or wrong, moral, immoral, issues of injustice mm. that we may see. And that as a church body, we should be crying out together against those things. Mm. I think I've made reference into it somewhere in there, and I can't remember off exactly, but that a lot of times injustice continues when we're silent. Mm. And as a church, we might not be able to change the issue, but when we can cry out to God that we see this, whether it's in something in our own community or maybe something globally, that this is not right. God, we need you to move. We're giving voice to it. We're bringing it to the attention. It's not that God didn't know that it was there, but we're giving voice to something and saying, this has to change. There are things that cannot keep happening. And it connects us to the church globally. A lot of times I think we forget, not on purpose, but we get narrow-minded and, you know, the church is just our local church that we go to. But when the church gives voice in things like this, it connects us globally to a church that exists around the world, mm. to our brothers and sisters that are maybe in another country. And I know everyone has different opinions on different things, but there is a time and a place to stand up and say, this is not right, or whatever the injustice may be. Maybe it's not even injustice. Maybe it's just a, a global tragedy. With the pandemic, for example, or, you know, 2004, the tsunami that hit Indonesia, things like that, that when something that major happens, can we as a church body cry out to God and say, God, we need something to change or God, something has to happen. God, we need you to intervene. Mm. Um, and then it becomes so much more than just me as an individual. It's me as my local church or me with the church in my community or me with the global church together that are saying, God, this has to change. I love that because 
I'm thinking about, you know, when you're talking about maybe there's an issue of injustice in your community, there are probably members of our congregations who are individually impacted by that. Maybe not everybody in the congregation is, but someone is individually impacted. And whenever that member of the church sees the corporate body standing in solidarity, calling out to God on behalf of something that maybe doesn't affect most people individually, I can only imagine that that would be so encouraging and so affirming, like help people feel like this is a place that really loves me, sees me and cares about me. I I don't see any downsides to it. You know, I think a lot of times whenever these kinds of things come up, there are political or, you know, social connotations to them that make us afraid as a church body to say anything about them at all. Mm -hmm. But our silence speaks as well. And so I just don't see any downside, like you said, to to calling out to God on behalf of communities that are impacted by a natural disaster or, you know, people in our own communities who are impacted by some kind of act of violence or injustice. You know, it's it doesn't take anything away from us to call out to God on behalf of those things and to and to make it known that we are doing so. And honestly, that's when people are most open. Mm-hmm. I'm part of the 9-11 generation. Um, I was in college when that happened. Tell my age a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, I remember when 9-11 happened and churches of all denominations were open and people were flocking to those churches because they were so desperate. Life as we knew it had just been turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And people were in a state of saying, God, we don't know what to do. Why did this happen? What, you know, what, what next? And I think as a church, if we can be open to that, it helps build our community, but it also helps us meet what our commission is, which is to reach a lost world. Mm -hmm. If we can be open, you know, and, you know, in a perfect world, we would never have to deal with any of this stuff. You know, we would never have another hurricane or tornado or a massive flood or a pandemic or whatever, you know, fill in the blank there in a perfect world. But that's not the reality that we live in. So as the church, how can we respond to this in a way that shows the people that we live with every single day that we love you and this is a safe place that you can come and you can find the peace and the hope? Yeah. And that's really what this is all about. It's not about, you know, some people when I first started talking about this were like, well, it's just such a a down subject. And I'm like, well, really, it's not. Because the whole point of this is to say there's hope. Yeah. And if we can share that with our communities, and yes, we have to embrace the suffering. We have to embrace that times of, you know what, there may need to be some intercession for some things that maybe don't impact me directly, but there are people that I'm connected with that it's impacting them. And so can I call out on their behalf? Because God, I care about them and I care about their souls. Yeah. Like I said, I think the impacts of this are really, really far reaching and really, really important. So I'm, I'm so glad that you took the time to focus on it. And we might've already hit on this, but I want to, I do want to ask just personally for yourself, in all of your reading and study, what was kind of what was the most impactful thing that you learned or discovered as you were reading about this? I'm trying to think through. There were so many little nuggets, and there were several people that they got little bits and pieces here and there. They were kind of my um, 
they let me bounce ideas off of them as I was working through this. But honestly, it amazed me the feedback I got from some different people that were like, I'm so glad you're doing this. I'm so glad you have embraced this topic and we need more of this because I think people are realizing that in a world that we live in, we can't just paint everything rosy all the time. And so as the church, if I'm going to reach people, I have to be able to give them hope, but it has to be a real hope. Mm. And it's a hope that is born out of suffering. That one of the things I love about this is the more I studied it is that every time you study lament in the scripture, it points back to God. Mm. It's directed back to God. And that's really what everything in our life should be. It should be directed back to God. As I'm living my daily life, I wanted to point toward Jesus. And even in lament, even in suffering, can I get my suffering to point me back to God? Mm. Um, and so I think that's one of the, the big takeaways for my, myself personally, is that, yes, we may walk through suffering. We may walk through whatever it may be but it directs me back to God every time. Well, I think that's a great place for us to to stop because, I mean, what else is there but to be pointed back to the one who holds it all in control anyway? <laughs> yeah, he's the one that hears and he's the one that responds. And so that is our hope. Yes, ma'am. Well, I appreciate you coming on to talk to us about it. I know you had mentioned to me that there are people encouraging you to turn it into a book. I will lend my voice to that chorus. <laughs> I think it's definitely something that could be so, so helpful uh, for people to sit and read and absorb and underline and highlight and think about. <laughs> so um, mm-hmm. if you're still contemplating that, I I would say, yes, go for it. <laughs> Thank you. As we always do on this show, we like to end with the same question every week. And that is because the show is called Good Question. What is a good question that you're asking yourself lately? Well, this one is a little bit of a silly question. But <laughs> over the last several days, why in the world are medicines made to taste so nasty? <laughs> I know that we don't want to take them all the time, but they can make children's medicine taste a little bit good. Why not adults? That's a very good question. <laughs> let's get all of our medical professionals on that one. Come on, let's make sure. let's make these medicines. Can we make one that tastes like a latte, please? I would take that. <laughs> so. Uh, oh. Well, I hope that you don't have to take any more medicine. Um, <laughs> that tastes terrible uh, and I yes. hope that you have a great rest of your day and I appreciate so much you being on the show well thank you so much for inviting me I have enjoyed this um, and I look forward to hearing more friends can you see why I felt like this was a conversation we needed to have amidst the turmoil and pain in our world today what people do not need is a shallow relationship with God. I believe, like Susan, that honest brokenness and the practice of lament, individually and corporately, will lead us into a deeper, richer, more intimate relationship with Him that will not only benefit us, but will enable us to be the light in a hurting and broken world. 
I hope this episode did what we try to do here every week, that it gets you thinking, that it sparks some conversation, and that it lets someone out there know you aren't alone. If this episode resonated with you, I hope you'll share it with a friend, and I hope you'll come share your thoughts about it on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Good Question Show, and I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can also find our Facebook page by searching Good Question with Jessica Tanderup Podcast. If you'd like to, we'd love to hear from you via email. Our email address is goodquestionshow at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup. My co-producer, editor, and the man who has truly made this all possible for six months and 27 episodes is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Walzik. That's it for this week. We will be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.